morning. All right. Uh, let's turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to kind of be all over this morning. It's been a while since we've been back in this series, different things going on. Uh, but we're talking about the footsteps of faith, looking at the ministry of Paul, his life, his ministry. We've looked at several different aspects of it. And uh, today, I think this is, this is one of our favorite subjects to talk about, and that's persecution, right? We like to talk about persecution. Well, that's what we're going to see this morning is uh, Paul, as he is persecuted in his life and in his ministry. And uh, I think we'll be encouraged, though, by it. We don't like persecution, but I think we'll be helped by what we see this morning in the life of Paul, because there's no doubt that Paul uh, was persecuted. He had a lot of problems, had a lot of trials, a lot of testings, but he was able to persevere through all of that, and God had a plan, just like God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, God has a plan and a purpose for the persecution that takes place in our lives. He had a plan and a purpose for the persecution that happened in Paul's life. And through it, we'll see God's faithfulness uh, overwhelmingly evident in the life of Paul. And it will help us, it will encourage us, it will remind us that God will be faithful to us in times of persecution as well. So I think we'll be encouraged as we look through this this morning at Paul's life. And we'll kind of bounce around at just some of the different uh, places in Scripture that it, persecution is recorded in Paul's life. But a lot of times, uh, I remember hearing uh, Dad and other preachers over the years talk about kind of flash-in-the-pan Christians, somebody that gets saved or somebody that gets renewed. You know, we just come out of the Renew Conference. We had revival, right? And people will get on fire for the Lord. And they talk about flash-in-the-pan Christianity. What is that? Well, you get excited. You get renewed. You get revived. Uh, you have some zeal to do something for the Lord. And it lasts just very temporarily, and that zeal is gone, and the person who was on fire for the Lord and serving the Lord, and man, we're going we're gonna to charge hell with a squirt gun before long. It doesn't take long for that flash-in-the-pan person uh, just to kind of uh, drift away. There'll be people that, as soon as they encounter some sort of obstacle in Christianity, some sort of persecution, some sort of testing, some sort of trial. Uh, they like, you know what? This thing's not as easy as I thought it was. I thought the Christian life, you know, I thought Jesus was going to come into my life and this was going to be so easy and, you know, a bed of roses and all of that. And so that's not for me. Uh, I want to choose the comfort and the security of the world. And so there's kind of like a flash in the pan and they're gone. But that's not what we see in the life of the Apostle Paul, is it? Uh, Paul had a radical transformation that took place in his life. Uh, he went from being the one who was persecuting the Christians. He was the one that Satan was using to inflict persecution onto those people of the way, the Christians. To the day that Paul met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, uh, he became a, a radical risk taker promoting Christianity. And because of that, Paul encountered a lot of persecution. And we'll look at that this morning. Uh, I like what uh, in his book, John Piper on 30 Reasons Why I Love the Apostle Paul, he said, uh, Paul did not burn out. His life was astonishing in its single-minded devotion to the person and the cause he came to love, Jesus Christ, and salvation by grace. Now, not everybody appreciated Paul's zeal, Paul's fervor, 
Paul's uh, desire to serve the Lord. We've looked at some of it briefly in some of these passages. If we've gone through like Acts 16, Acts 17 on some of his missionary journeys, we've seen some of the persecution that Paul encountered from his preaching. Uh, Not everybody embraced Paul. And so that's what we're going to see this morning. The unbelieving Jews took aim at him and... uh, Satan used them to try to discourage Paul, to try to uh, kill Paul, to try to get Paul off the scene uh, because Paul was making an impact for the Lord. And one thing that you'll notice in your life when you do get on fire for God and you are serving Him and you're doing your best uh, to bring others to Him, if you're trying to live your life as an effective Christian, you'll put a target on yourself. So you really need this this morning because you will have times of persecution uh, in your life. And through the centuries, uh, you can read uh, books like uh, Paul Chappell wrote a book just a few years ago called Outsiders about some of the different believers through the centuries that served God in the face of difficult persecution and would face martyrdom. You can read books like uh, John Fox's book uh, Book of Martyrs and see uh, how these Christians and their faithfulness to the Lord uh, withstood intense persecution and suffering. And a lot of times we'll find comfort in a lot of the things that they said. Uh, We may not face some of the difficult circumstances that some of these believers faced. But we may still have persecution, we may still have problems, we'll still have difficulties. Uh, But we can look at some of these testimonies of people like the Apostle Paul, people from uh, Christianity, uh, the history of the church, and we can be inspired by their faithfulness to a deeper love and devotion to the Lord. And I said turn to 2 Corinthians, but flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 with me first. I want you to see this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. Uh, What does Paul write? He says, there's no temptation... That's taken you, but such as is common to man. And that that word temptation, it's not just referring to Satan trying to lead us into sin, but temptation also uh, includes trials, testings, problems, persecution, suffering. The whole, uh, it runs the whole gamut. And Paul says there's no temptation, there's no trial, there's no testing, there's no persecution, there's no suffering that's taken you, but it's such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Uh, Paul was able to write this because he'd lived it. He'd seen it. It was evident in his life. He's not just telling us something that he's not been through. Paul's walked this road and he says, God is faithful uh, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Uh, God will always provide the strength that we need when we need it for what we're going through. And if... Uh, if we go back now to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, let's go to verse number 23, and we'll kind of see just this one passage where Paul describes some of the suffering that he endured. And the reason, I mean, you kind of look at this and you think, man, it almost sounds like Paul is bragging. Why is, why is Paul saying this? Why is, why is this something to be admired? Because we talk a lot about humility. Uh, and, and Paul what is happening is there were some false teachers that were trying to undermine Paul's preaching and Paul's credentials. And so Paul says, are they ministers of Christ? No, these were some of the unbelieving people used by Satan. And so Paul says, are they ministers of Christ? 
I speak as a fool. He says, uh, I'm speaking basically as a madman is what this word means. Uh, he says, I'm more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils by mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness. In watchings often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and naked. Paul says, I have suffered... For the Lord. I know what it's like to be persecuted. And so that's what we'll see this morning is Paul's persecution. But through all of Paul's persecution, what does he say? He's found God to be faithful. He's found God to take care of him. From the first day that he became a believer until the day that uh, the Lord called him home, uh, God was faithful to Paul. And so we'll learn from God's work in Paul's life and how we can endure through times of suffering as well. And the first thing I want you to see this morning is the divine purpose for Paul's persecutions. Uh, It doesn't matter in everything that happens in your life. It doesn't matter if it's pleasant or unpleasant. God has a purpose and a plan. Uh, Sometimes Satan's plan is evil. But what do we see throughout Scripture? We see that uh, what Satan means for evil, God can use for good. In the life of Joseph, uh, he told his brothers, uh, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Uh, What does Paul write? Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for good to them who love God. And uh, in the book of Jeremiah, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God wants to bring about a good result from everything in our lives, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. There's a divine purpose for the persecutions that we go through. And a lot of the religious leaders, I mean, these are religious people. These were people that Paul would have known personally. Remember, Paul was a a very high-ranking religious individual. Paul would have known many of these people. They probably would have been friends at one point in their life. And now, after Paul converts to Christianity, they want to break his spirit. They want to break Paul completely. In fact, they're going to threaten to kill Paul. They're They're going to scheme, and they're going to plan to try to take Paul off the scene. But the power and the love of God overcame all of that. Why? Because uh, God is always greater. What does it say in the book of 1 John? He says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, God has a divine purpose for the persecutions that were happening in Paul's life. It led Paul to a lot of different places. It led Paul to a lot of different experiences. It gave Paul a, an opportunity to speak from a place that maybe others hadn't spoken from, or to encourage uh, churches and preachers and pastors that would go through suffering after Paul left the scene. Christianity is still this fledgling religion at this point. And there were many, again, those unbelieving Jews that wanted to squash and to squelch what was happening. And Paul later told the church at Corinth there, uh, if you just turn over a page in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, what does Paul tell the church at Corinth? He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Uh, Paul had some problems in life. Remember he had that thorn in the flesh? He asked God three different times to remove it. What does God say? He says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities. Here's our word. In persecutions, in distresses. Why? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Uh, I think Paul, no doubt, as, as he talked about those beatings that he would have received, Five times he was beaten. He would have been scourged, flogged. There would have no doubt been scars on the back of Paul from the persecution that he endured. And I can't help but think that Paul would have thought back to the Lord Jesus Christ and how he suffered those same things. And Paul says, I'm suffering these for Christ's sake. I take pleasure in it for Christ's sake uh, because he died for me. And so Paul realizes there's a divine purpose for the persecution in his life. And the Lord had chosen and prepared Paul to bear his name and to carry his name to the Jews. But not just to the Jews. He was to bear the name of the Lord to the Gentiles. And it wasn't just to the common people. But he was called by the Lord to bear his name to the crown. It didn't matter who Paul interacted in life with. He was ready to talk about Jesus to anyone. And in fact, when we read that conversion story in Acts chapter 9, God's talking to that man Ananias and says, Hey, Paul's coming uh, to meet you. And he says... uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 15. We won't read all the verses, but he speaks to Ananias in this vision. And the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God had a divine purpose for Paul's life, and it included these persecutions. And it's vital to understand that as believers, uh, we're chosen vessels. We've been chosen by God to carry his name, just like Paul was, to carry his name. We're carrying something of vital importance. Uh, Think, uh, you know, uh, about a flower pot. You go to Lowe's, they've got all those mums out right now, or Walmart, they've got mums out right now. Some of those just uh, clay pots. It's not really the pot that's that remarkable, is it? We don't really look at the the pot that the flower comes in. What are we looking at? We're looking at what it holds. That treasure that's inside of it, the flowers, uh, is the plant that's remarkable, either because it's useful or because it's pretty, but we like what's in it. We don't really pay attention to the the pot. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, He told this church at Corinth, he said, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's it's in us. We're the chosen vessels that God's using, that the excellency of the power uh, may be of God and not of us. Uh, We're commanded 
That's the Great Commission. We're to take the name of Jesus to a lost and dying world that needs Him. And there's no greater honor that Paul had. There's no greater honor that we have than when we're able to lift up the name of Christ, when we're able to glorify Him and to, and to bring uh, honor to Him by sharing uh, what He's done in our lives. Jesus, He told us in the book of John, just like in the Old Testament, as Moses lifted up the serpent, he said, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And in another place, Jesus said, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Uh, and so that's what we do. We lift up the name of Jesus. We point people to the cross. We tell people the same message that Moses said in the Old Testament, look and live is the same message we have today. Uh, look to the cross and live. And that was what Paul was preaching. And so he was supposed to bear the name of the Lord. But not only that, the divine purpose was that he was to suffer for the name of the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, verse number 16, as soon as God reveals to Ananias that Paul is going to be a chosen vessel, he's going to speak to the the common people. He's going to speak to the crown. He'll preach to the royalty. He'll preach to the Jews. He'll preach to the Gentiles. He's going to take uh, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, all throughout the known world at that time. Uh, But then in verse number 16, he says this. He says, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Yeah, Paul, he's going to to have a lot of uh, impact. He's going to preach to a lot of important people. He's going to interact with a lot of interesting people. He's going to see a lot of conversions, but he's going to suffer for my name's sake. Dr. Bob Jones Sr., he used to say, "The, the test of your character is what it takes to stop you. And as we study Paul's life, it's, uh, I think it's pretty clear that there was nothing that was going to stop him from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 20, verse number 24, uh, Paul talked about some of the persecutions and the sufferings that he'd went through and the shipwrecks and the different things. And Paul said this, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. None of these things will stop me. And he says, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. See, Paul says uh, he's not going to waste his life. He understands that he's only got one life to live for the Lord. And he wants to spend it serving God. And so he says, none of these things are going to move me. None of these things are going to stop me. Uh, I'm going to continue to be steadfast and faithful in the work of the Lord. Now, we may not suffer in the same ways that Paul suffered, but there's a lot of value in our lives when we decide, I'm going to serve Jesus no matter what. I may not face the same things Paul faced. I may never endure a shipwreck. I may never be beaten like Paul. But whatever persecution, whatever things that I do face, my mind is made up that I'm going to serve Jesus. And we won't count our lives dear to ourselves. We won't think so highly of ourselves that when problems come, uh, that we think, you know what, I really shouldn't have to endure difficulties. No. Even as Jesus uh, was facing the suffering of the cross, the Bible tells us that he fixed his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. He knew what was waiting ahead. He knew what was coming. But he fixed his face like a flint, the prophet Isaiah told us. One of those 
accounts from history, Christian history that you know, can serve as a, as a reminder of this and, and why people were willing to suffer for the Lord the way that they were. In 1555, uh, as part of a campaign to try to reestablish the Catholic Church in England, a Queen Mary uh, had the nickname of Bloody Mary for her persecution. Uh, she arranged for John Philpot, one of the leading Protestant ministers in England, to be burned at the stake. And when his death sentence was pronounced, this is what's recorded that he said. He said, I am ready. God grant me strength and a joyful resurrection. And he walked to the place of execution. Rather than having to be dragged, rather than being forced, he walked on his own. And when he reached it, history tells us that he knelt And he kissed the stake where they would burn him alive. Why? Because he knew there was a divine purpose for the suffering and persecution in his life. And it's easy for us to kind of focus on our problems and think that our problems are really bigger than they are. A lot of times, if we're objective enough and we step back from it, we can see that our problems and the things that we deal with really aren't as bad as what we think that they are. And we've never really endured genuine persecution. None of us have gone through a lot of things like uh, many of the Christian martyrs through history have gone through. We've not been faced with decisions like that. Now, there may come a day when we have to make some of the same life or death choices that uh, Christians through the centuries have made. Uh, People like Paul, other of the apostles and the disciples made. There may come a day where we have to make that choice. Uh, It hasn't happened yet. But the question is, Have we decided already, no matter what happens, I'm going to serve Jesus. Nothing will move me. Nothing will shake me. Nothing will stop me. Nothing will dissuade me. Uh, I'm going to keep serving Jesus. We make that choice today. Uh, Don't don't wait until the decision uh, is right at hand. Make it right now. I'm going to serve Jesus no matter what. Then it's easier to be loyal regardless of what the consequences are. I don't know if Western Christianity ever faces some of these same persecutions that Christians in the past have faced. Will Western Christianity, will it be loyal to Christ? Will it stand regardless of the consequences? Will we stand firm for what is right? Or will we be tempted to shut our mouths, take the easy path? Not only was there a divine purpose, but then we'll look at the daunting perils. Because the persecution that Paul faced, it wasn't just theory. Paul went through it. Uh, It was his daily reality, wasn't it? Every city, as we studied through that missionary journey, from city to city to city, there was persecution. There were stonings. There were beatings. uh, There were angry crowds. There were mobs. From city to city. Every single day, Paul encountered this. There were people who wished uh, for his demise. There were people who wanted to see his life taken away. And so when it comes to Paul's enemies, first of all, they had some various motives. What were the motives behind it? Uh, Why is it that people hate Christians? Why are the people of God hated? Uh, If we're like Jesus, what does it say about Jesus? He went about doing good. 
If we want to do as he told his disciples, uh, we'll be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We'll desire to be salt of the earth, uh, the light of the world. But yet, what did Paul tell Timothy? He said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's just a fact. Uh, There's a lot of unsaved people that hate God, and the people who hate God hate those who represent God. I don't think I have these verses in here. Uh, Turn with me to the book of John. Look over at John chapter 15. Jesus talked about this. John chapter 15. And look uh, look look at verse number 18. Jesus says, if the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Don't be surprised. The world hates God. The world is angry at God. And so those who would be his representatives here on earth, his ambassadors, don't be surprised then. Jesus said, uh, it's because of him. So Paul had some enemies. And the same motives that I think that we can see in the enemies that attacked Paul are kind of the same motives that are behind people that attack Christians today, that really reject God today, and it begins with pride. We'll look at three motives. Pride. Uh, Some of Paul's enemies were motivated by pride. When Paul became a Christian in Acts chapter 9, he immediately went to preaching. He immediately saw people coming to know Christ. He became effective for the Lord. And as Paul's effectiveness for Christ increased, the Jews and their entire religious system felt threatened. And so Paul becomes their public enemy number one. And so they worried about their status among the people because he's undermining what they're trying to do. He's destroying their religious system that they've set up. He's preaching this name of Jesus. And so they begin to plot how they can get rid of him permanently because their pride was at stake. And they were going to defend their pride to the death. Paul's death. And as soon as Paul gets saved in Acts chapter 9, verse number uh, 23, it says, after many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. This is all right in this same exact story. It didn't take long. Uh, They want to put Paul to death. Why? Paul was this great religious leader for the Jews. He suddenly betrayed what they're all doing. And now he's preaching this name of Jesus. Instead of persecuting the name of Jesus, he's preaching the name of Jesus. And in a way, the opposition to Paul was kind of a compliment. He was making such an impact that they had to take him seriously, didn't they? 
And so that's a compliment to Paul. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, sitting still, it doesn't usually bring a lot of resistance to us. If you're just kind of on the sideline and you're not really doing much for the Lord, uh, you're not a real target. But when you get on fire for God, when you're out there actively witnessing, sharing your faith, you're lifting up the name of Jesus. You're unashamed of the Lord. You're trying to further the cause of Christ. Uh, Those are the kind of people that end up with a target on their back. Satan doesn't like people like that. And so he'll try to stop or slow down uh, God's servants that are doing that. But just like in the parable of the talents... God told us, his servants, in Luke chapter 19, verse number 13, we're supposed to occupy till he comes. In the parable of the talents, he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. Now the word occupy in this verse doesn't mean just sit there and take up space. That's not what it's talking about. The word occupy means to be uh, busy. You're to be engaged with your occupation, the occupation that you've been left with. Now, in this parable, what was the occupation that these servants were to be left with? They were supposed to be taking what the master gave them, and they were supposed to be increasing it. And we know some of them were faithful and some of them were unfaithful. Some of them dug a hole and stuck it in the ground and buried it and did nothing with what the master left them. And so the, the point of what Jesus is saying is that we're to be actively pursuing the occupation we've been given, and that is advancing the gospel message of Jesus Christ until he returns. Occupy till he comes. Be busy with the service of the Lord till he returns until, or until you're called home. Right. Don't just sit back on the sideline. That's a good way to not have persecution in life and just sit back. But Satan will always seek to resist those who are seeking to occupy till he comes. Satan's going to resist people like that. That's what Paul was doing. And God's word has a lot to say about pride. And none of it's good. Six things does the Lord hate, seven are an abomination. What does it begin with? A proud look. Also in the book of Proverbs, it tells us pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In the book of James, we're told that uh, God will exalt the, the humble. God will give grace to the humble. But he despises those who are proud. Pride is a prime motivator of those who oppose the work of God and persecute his people. And the source of pride is the devil himself because uh, why did he originally get kicked out of heaven? What was it? It was his pride. I will be like the Most High. I will sit on the throne of heaven. And he was expelled from heaven because of it. There's pride. And so pride is behind the motives of those who oppose God, those who opposed Paul, those who oppose us today. Pride will be behind it. How about envy? A lot of Paul's enemies were motivated by envy. In Acts chapter 13... Verse number 44, it tells us the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. See, Paul had God's hand on him. Everywhere Paul went, uh, God's hand was on Paul and the preaching was powerful. And people were coming to know Jesus as Savior. And he was getting big crowds. 
And the unbelieving Jews saw the people responding to Paul and the message that he was preaching, and they're envious of it. They're filled with envy. And they begin to speak against Paul, and they begin to argue and oppose and criticize the message that Paul was preaching. At this point, they've stopped short of physical violence right here, uh, but they're verbally persecuting and assaulting uh, the message that is being preached. And they're trying to disrupt Paul's ministry to these multitudes. And you know, there's going to be times that our message will be disrupted. There will be people who will try to revile us, uh, criticize us. Uh, And Jesus addressed that in the Sermon on the Mount, didn't he? He said, uh, blessed are those which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He says, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. And Paul modeled a godly response. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 12, Paul demonstrated exactly what Jesus was preaching when he told the church of Corinth, he said, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Paul responded in a godly manner to these people. And Christians have to understand that if these attacks happen to the Lord Jesus Christ, if they happen to the Apostle Paul, uh, people's going to say some things to us too. There will be people who verbally oppose what we're doing. So don't be surprised. In the book of 1 Peter, it says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. He says, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Wow. Take it as a compliment that there will be those who would oppose you if you're speaking the name of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean go out with a bad attitude and and intentionally try to stir people up. There are those who try to do that in Christianity. Uh, They just try to go for the shock factor and say things. No. Is that what Jesus was doing? Is that what Paul was doing? No, they weren't doing that. You can count it a blessing, though, in your life uh, when you're out there wise as serpent, harmless as doves, when you're showing uh, people the love of Jesus Christ. If people reject that and they verbally oppose it, uh, make sure that it's the message that they're rejecting and not the way that you're presenting it. There was pride, there was envy, and then there was materialism. Uh, Paul, we saw this when we spent a, a couple of weeks going through Acts chapter 16. This happened specifically in Philippi. Remember when Paul showed up, he delivered the the demon-possessed girl. She was a slave. He delivered the devils out of her. And the owners of this girl got mad at him. Why? Because they quit making money off of her. That's how Paul and Silas ended up in prison that night. Remember when they met the Philippian jailer? These owners of the slave girl, their cash cow's gone. They can't make money off of her. And so they go and they say, hey, we need to throw Paul and Silas into into the jail. And they commanded them to be beat, and they were thrown into the prison. And after their experience at Philippi, where'd they go? They went to Ephesus. What happened in the city of Ephesus? It was a city given wholly to idolatry. And Paul showed up, and he began preaching against all this wickedness and all this uh, idolatry and this pagan religion that's happening in Ephesus. And as people began to turn from Christ, they were turning away from the idol worship. And all those people who were making money off of this pagan religion happening in the city of Ephesus, uh, they suddenly quit making money. And they didn't like that. And so they they end up persecuting Paul again in the city of Ephesus. 
Why? Because they were materialistic. It's just like today, you know, those who promote and sell things like alcohol, drugs, sex, those who make the the violent and the immoral uh, movies, uh, they know when people get saved and their lives get cleaned up and they turn away from all that stuff, they lose customers, don't they? And it makes an impact on their bottom line. So realize that when people oppose us today, a lot of times the motives could be pride, envy, materialism. Human nature is not a whole lot different than it was back then. But not only did they have various motives, they had some different methods. What were the different methods that happened? Uh, Because the Bible tells us, uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6 about the armor of God. He, He talked about the wiles of the devil. In the book of Corinthians, he talked about the different devices that Satan uses. He's got some different tools, some different methods, some different things that he will use in our lives to try to stop us. What did he use in the life of of Paul? He used threats. First of all, when Paul got saved, he immediately went to the synagogue, began preaching Christ, and they threatened to kill him. Uh, But God's hand was on Paul. It wasn't time for Paul to go home yet. And God provided a way of escape. And they let Paul down in a wall with a basket. And he he escapes out of town. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they stood firm against the uh, threats of the council. And God brought them through. Uh, They'd been commanded uh, not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. But in Acts 4.19, Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of all the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. Uh, There were threats. What happens in our lives when we face threats? Uh, We're in a world that's hostile to the Lord. I would encourage you to have some scriptures memorized. There are scriptures like Psalm 118, verse number 6. It says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? These are verses to write down, verses to memorize, verses to go to when you're defeated, when you're discouraged, when you feel that temptation to quit. Uh, This is why the scripture was written. Psalm 27, verse number 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me in this... Will I be confident? Psalm 56, 4, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. How about things that Paul actually wrote? Romans eight thirty one. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. He said his height, depth, uh, you can go anywhere in the universe. You can't get away from the spirit of God. People try to oppose you, but he says, uh, those who come against you, if God be for us, who shall be against us? How about this one? Hebrews 13, 6. Uh, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Get you some verses like that. Get those put away into your memory bank. Have them highlighted in your Bible. Go to those when you need them. Then they used agitation. Paul's enemies worked against him by agitating, by stirring up the people against him. We saw that in Acts 16, Acts 17, Thessalonica, Philippi, Ephesus, all of those cities, when they would preach of the unbelieving Jews, they would stir the people up. 
Uh, Satan rarely allows a church or a dedicated Christian to, to go unchallenged. If we're doing something for the Lord, you can expect there to be some agitation. And people that are easily agitated by the message of the, go- uh, by the, message of the Lord and the gospel, uh, they'll try to go agitate and stir other people up. But we can know peace, even, even when things around us are kind of turbulent. Uh, Jesus said, uh, I've come to, to bring peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. He says, these things have I spoken unto you, that in, ye me, uh, in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. They used threats, they used agitation, they used violence. And that's where we started this morning. He was beaten many times. He was scarred, he was bruised, he was afflicted. It's no wonder in Acts chapter 15, the Bible refers to Paul and Barnabas as men that have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul and his companions, they were always faithful to the Lord. They were willing to suffer for the Lord. They were willing to stand for the Lord. They were going on, and they were willing to die for the Lord. We ought to faithfully pray. We don't face that kind of persecution here in the United States. But there are believers around the world that are facing that type of persecution today. And we should be faithfully praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like China and places like India, other Middle Eastern countries where persecution is great on the church. We should pray for them. And prepare ourselves because there may be a day when it comes to the United States of America. In uh, 1900, during the uh, China Boxer Rebellion, the insurgents had captured a mission station. They, they blocked all the gates but one. And in front of it, they had laid down a cross. And uh, the word was passed to those inside of the mission station that if they would just simply walk and trample over the cross, they could have their freedom. And any that did not trample the cross would be shot. <clears throat> and so frightened for their lives, the first seven students that walked out of the mission station they walked over the cross. They were given their freedom and they walked off. The eighth student, she came out and refused to walk over the cross and instead she knelt beside it. She prayed for God to give her strength. She stood up and she walked around the cross and they took her and they put her in front of the firing squad. So moved by her example, there were 92 remaining students inside of the building Every single one of them followed suit, went and knelt by the cross and faced the firing squad. We have to pray for strength. Sometimes there'll be violence that comes. But here's the good news. Very quickly, see the delivering power for Paul's persecution. We know, according to history, word of God, Paul was eventually martyred for his witness. But until then, God delivered him from death over and over again as he faced persecution. And he wrote to his friend and mentee Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 10, he says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Those who never risk anything for the Lord never experience his deliverance. But those who have, man, what a testimony. 
they have to share for the Lord as he has delivered them over and over again from things that uh, humanly no other way they can be delivered. And whatever our trials are, you know what? We have the same God that Paul had that day. The same God that delivered Paul is the same God that we serve. The same God that delivered him is the same God that can deliver us. And he told, he told Timothy earlier in the book, he said, be ready to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Christian life's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not just a picnic. It's not a bed of roses. Uh, it's, it's a battle that we're in. We need the armor of God. But we have to endure hardness, but we can rely on God's grace to endure. Why? We look at the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe Paul wrote these words in Hebrews. He says, we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He says, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We keep our eyes on the Lord. So with the Lord's help, Paul endured. With the Lord's help, Paul endured. And with his help, we can endure as well. And with the Lord's faithfulness, he was delivered. But out of all of them, he said, the Lord delivered me. A Satan, he wants to persecute us to bring fear into our lives. But Paul said, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He says, don't let any of these things move you. Satan wants to cause you to fear. He wants to put you on the sideline. He wants to slow down and stop the spread of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But God's promise is to remain with us in times of persecution. We can persevere. We can go forward. We don't have to stop. God's greater than everything that we'll encounter in our lives. He's greater than the enemy. We've read the back of the book, haven't we? We know that he wins. Determine in your life, man, I'm going forward. I'm not going to let anything in my life shake me. Stop me from serving the Lord. God, thank you for this opportunity to look at the persecution in Paul's life. I pray that we'd be encouraged and challenged and inspired by it. I pray that we'd make a decision in our lives that we will go forward no matter what. That we'll serve you regardless of the persecution and the trials and the testings that we face. Lord, we pray that you'd meet with us now in this morning service. I pray that you'd open our hearts, prepare us to sing. Uh, Lord, uh, I know many of us were uh, renewed and revived through the preaching, the music, and the testimonies this week. Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would lift our voices to you this morning again in worship, that our hearts would uh, be open to the preaching of the Word of God, that it would make a difference in our lives, that uh, we would be challenged because of what we hear, and that we would leave here different than we came this morning. Lord, we pray that ultimately you would be lifted up, that your name would be honored and glorified. And Lord, we will uh, we'll give you the honor and the glory for everything that happens here today. In Jesus' name, amen.